Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. My name is Bill Thomas. I'm a writer, consulting producer, and now podcaster. I am now trying to use my experience as the brother of a murder victim to help other victims of violent crime. I'm working on a book on the unsolved Colonial Parkway murders, and I'm the co-administrator of the Colonial Parkway Murders Facebook group, together with Kristen Dilley. My name is Kristen Dilley. I'm a writer, a researcher, a teacher, and a victim's advocate, as well as the social media manager and co-administrator for the Colonial Parkway Murders Facebook page with my partner in crime, Bill Thomas. Welcome to Mind Over Murder. I'm Kristen Dilley. And I'm Bill Thomas. And we're joined today by Jennifer and William Phelps here to talk to us about Anna Maria Phelps. Jennifer and Will, thank you so much for joining us on Mind Over Murder. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And so for purposes of clarity, William, you're Anna's younger brother. That's correct. And are you the youngest in the family in your generation? Out of of four children, I'm the youngest. And then... Jennifer, you were just saying how you get roped into all of this thing. You guys are a married couple, and you've been married for 15 years. Yeah, then, yes. And I kind of just <laughs> got into the case just looking online. After, you know, he told me a story about Anna, and I jumped online, and I'm like, I need to find out what's going on with the, the Parkway cases. And I just got involved in it then, just reading and reading and then reaching out. It's how I kind of became involved, you know, met you and Joyce. And just we kind of started to get the ball rolling again, I guess, on our end. Jen, are you from Amelia County as well? I know that that the Phelps family are from that area of Virginia. No, I'm actually um, a neighboring county. I'm from Chesterfield. So I'm about 30, 45 minutes away from Amelia. And then how did the two of you meet? Is it a <laughs> well, story we can tell on, on, on the air? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I knew his sister, one of his older sisters, Rosanna. Um, I met her through church. So we had known each other for several years and I met him at one of her family cookouts, but that's not when we got together. We didn't get together till much later when I was in a family member's wedding. And I'm like, Hey, we were talking like, Hey, do you know what's up with Will? What's he doing now? She's like, Oh, I think he's single. And the next thing I know, she's called him on the phone and put him on speaker. And she's like, Hey, you know, this, right. She's like, he wants to talk to you or she wants to talk to you. And I'm like, well, Okay. And we just started talking and then uh, <laughs> that was a interesting evening. But yeah, we, we've talked for several hours and started dating and we've been together 15 years. We've been married and date together 17 total. 
So. Oh, wow. That's a great story. <laughs> oh, it, it's, it's much more to it than that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we want to hear all the particulars. <laughs> well, he thought I was somebody else. He thought I was a different Jennifer at first that he did not care for. So the conversation didn't go well at first and I didn't plan on talking to him again. So then he starts calling my phone nonstop saying, Hey, I'm so sorry. I thought you were somebody else. Please call me back and talk to me. So, <laughs> Does that- so I gave him another chance and I'm glad that I did. I'm glad you did too. <laughs> so what was the story with this other Jennifer? What was her All problem? Right, the, the, the friend, the relative she was with her and I worked together. There was a Jennifer in the office and that Jennifer liked me, but I didn't care too much for her. And she was all in Teresa. The relative was always trying to mess with me with her. So when she said it's Jennifer, I'm like, she knows I don't like this girl. And the first thing out of my mind was when she said, this is Jennifer. I'm like, what was it exactly? He goes, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Great start. (laughs) So I felt, I felt this tall. <laughs> Teresa said, no, it's not that Jennifer. It's the other Jennifer from church. Oh, okay. By the and way, then I'm angry and I'm upset. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to talk to you later. And I hang up, but then uh, he bugs the mess out of me for the next several hours. So I call him back. <laughs> I had to clarify that story. I had to let her know there was two Jennifers and Fortunately, she was not the one I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kristen, does it seem like a, a, a kind of a Virginia thing to meet Rosanna, uh, <laughs> Will's older sister, through church and then later through a wedding? I mean, this sounds like very Southern to me. It's, it's, it, yeah, it does. It has that kind of flair for sure. <laughs> I love it. It's a great story. <laughs> Well, and it has a happy ending once Will figured out yeah. which Jennifer it was. <laughs> You're right. And were they you? Could have been all. They could have been all there was. <laughs> were you a bridesmaid in this wedding by chance? I was. Why did I know that? I mean, I, you know. <laughs> and great for a little movie, right? Yeah, exactly. And I love, the, I love the fact that William is like, I, I don't really want to talk to this woman. <laughs> <laughs> out loud on speakerphone with other people around. Yeah, I like the the oh no is like really not a great start to a romance. <laughs> so there's there's Rosanna, there's William and there was there's Anna and then who else am I missing? There's one my other oldest, sibling. My oldest sister, her name was Cynthia M- Maria Phelps and she passed away how many years ago? It's been 6 or 7 years now. Oh, I'm oh, so sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. And you're number four and the troublemaker. I'm, yes, I'm the last and only boy. Yeah, and you're the only boy. That's an only interesting boy. dynamic, actually. Well, I was going to be it. Dad wanted a son, so he said, you know, this was it. If he's either going to get a boy or he's going to get a fourth girl, and that was going to be it. Yeah, this same deal in the Thomas family. You know, there's three boys, my older brother Richard, me, and my younger brother Jack. Mom really wanted a girl, and so they were going to try one more time, and that was my younger sister Kathy. They were determined that they wanted to have a girl after right. after three boys. So reversed in your situation. Mm-hmm. Right. And then this exceptionally handsome guy who's attracting all this attention from all the Jennifers is is, <laughs> is the end result. So then what was the what's the age difference between uh you and the rest of your siblings? Well, 
Basically, we're all two years apart, plus or minus a couple months. But yeah, we're all two years apart. When you think about Anna, what are some of the adjectives that you would use to describe her? Loving, caring, feisty. She's a fighter for sure. Yeah, she's definitely a fighter. Sounds like a, a firecracker, a very, very upbeat, kind of positive, her vibrant I, person. Her and I shared a lot of, obviously, you know, we, we shared some of the same characteristics. I mean, it would take us a lot to get us mad, but Lord help you when you do. <laughs> firecracker is a very good description. She got incredibly upset with me one day on the bus. I was sitting up front. She was in the back. I was two years younger. And she got into a fight with a brother and a sister in the back. By the time I was aware of what was going on, somebody got my attention and I was in a fight. I turned around. She was she had already beat them both up and was <laughs> fussing at me for not helping her out. Oh, my gosh. Like she physically <laughs> physically threw punches. Wow. Yeah. And I told her, I said, look, I apologize. I didn't know what was going on. And did you really need me anyway? I was going to say, it doesn't sound like she needed any backup. <laughs> no. But yeah, she got really upset with me because I didn't help. And I, I wasn't even aware of what was going on until it was over with. So that's that's how she was. I believe she had a boyfriend that she beat up, too. Wow. Made her mad. <laughs> well, we've heard feisty before, but this is serious stuff. Yeah. She didn't take anything off of anybody. Would you have been expected to back her up had you known a little bit more about what was going on? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Without a question. She really sounds like a firecracker. I think that's <laughs> she a great... sounds like a scrappy. <laughs> yeah. And th this, this drove me nuts growing up. Uh, when we went swimming, we usually went to Twin Lakes State Park. And it, at the time, I think it was Goodman. Uh, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Anyway, we, we'd go swimming. She'd spend hours hours fixing her hair to go swimming <laughs> then we, get, we finally get to the lake and heaven forbid you get her hair she'll go in like waist deep she right. can swim right but she wasn't about to because she did not want to get her hair wet i'm like what is the point wasted all that time and then get here and then you can't get your hair wet in the meantime, everybody else is jumping in the lake and splashing around. And oh yeah, yeah, and, and you can't, you, you know, you can't do that near her. Could not. She would get her hair wet, and she would go. She would get extremely angry. What are some of your best memories of your time with your sister Anna? Christmas time. I remember one year we had a video camera, and I don't remember how or why, but she got a hold of it and she set it up. And we did like a uh, mock news show and we were just being goofy. She had asked me, well, what's the weather going to be today? I'm like, well, it might, it might rain. It might be sunny. It might snow. <laughs> it's Virginia. Wait five minutes. You'll forget. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we were just, you know, I, I don't remember how old I was. I was, I was preteen. So I was, you know, that's some of the stuff we did. Is this with one of those VHS machines that were like a boombox that sat on your shoulder? No, this was, well, the camera actually was caught. We had a VCR. Right. And the VCR, half of it, where the tape goes in, right. detached. Oh, I remember And it these. would plug into yeah. the camera. And you'd have a carrying case, and you'd carry that with you. And the camera had a strap, and you'd hold. We'd set the camera on the table and put, like, books or something, and set the camera on top of the books to make it about our level. Right. And we would do, and I don't know where those tapes are. I've asked mom, where were those tapes? And I think she, you know, we were being stupid and stuff. I think she actually recorded over them. So. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> if you had to like 
characterize your relationship with Anna? I guess, how would you, how would you describe your relationship with her? It sounds like you guys were pretty close. We were really close. She wanted to do things with Rosanna growing up. Uh, Rosanna got her license. Rosanna had a boyfriend and Anna didn't want to ride the bus. So she'd ask Rosanna if she could take her to school and, and Rosanna didn't have time for it. She was like, no, whatever. By the time Anna got her license, she was like, she, she wanted to take me everywhere, even on dates. And I'm like, come on now, really? I just want to, I was, I'm, if you ever met Rosanna, her and I are total opposite. She is, she wants to go out and she's got, she's got to talk to everybody. I'm an, an introvert. I don't like crowds. I don't like really talking to people, I like to stay to myself. And so I was happy staying at home and she would drag me, make me go out. And so, I mean, that's just the kind of person she was. She said, well, Rosanna would not do this with me. I'm not doing this to you. You know, I'm not going to make you stay home. You're going to, you're going to, I really don't want to go. <laughs> Did anyone else in the family have that kind of slightly shy side besides you, Will, or are you the quietest? I, I'm the quietest, but I think my dad is a little bit. Yeah, I think he is a little bit shy, but I mean, I think I'm worse than he is. Uh, when I was a, when I was a kid, I could have relatives or close friends come over, and I remember hiding under the table with people I knew because I was I was terrified. This is when you were a, a, a young kid. Yes, yes, and even now, uh, honestly, I, I, I do struggle with. I, I try to I fight it because I do try to you know I go out in public. I drive a tractor trailer. So, you know, I, I do come in contact with several people and, and I try to like, I try to stay, uh, st- I'm still kind of to myself, but I try to make an effort to, to, to try to talk to people and do, and I've actually talked to one guy and let him know how I was because I was kind of standoffish. And so once I explained to myself how I was, he was, he was all right with that. But I think he was kind of offended when, you know, I didn't seem that friendly. Well, and it's interesting when I think about your mom and dad, whom I've spoken to on the phone a number of times. Your mom, Jewel, is very talkative, and she's kind of a pistol, if you know what I mean. And, you, and your dad's kind of quiet. And then over the years now, over the last decade or so, I've gotten to know both you and Jennifer, but especially Jen. Right. Jen's kind of you know bubbly and, and talkative, and it's interesting how we, we pair up sometimes with people that are a bit of our opposite. Right. Although Jen's not saying anything at this very moment, which is. <laughs> I needed her. That's why I married her. She'd have to be my voice. I feel like Jewel and Anna are alike in that way. That Jewel, like you said, very much so is a pistol. And that was, I feel like Anna was almost like the carbon copy. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to agree. What do you know about Anna's relationship with Clint Lauer? When did they get involved? Take us a little bit through some of that. I can't exactly remember when they started getting involved. She had a spat. I don't think it was Clint. She had, no, it was, no, it was boss. That's what they called him. I don't remember his real name. It wasn't long after they split up, she started dating Clint. And I didn't know Clint that well. I didn't actually know him at all until after she started dating him. And I remember the last day she was at the house, she asked me, she pulled me aside and asked me, what did I think of Clint? And I told her, I don't know him that well. She said, well, we're thinking about getting married. I don't know him. You know him a lot better than I do. So, I mean, if, if that's what you want, go for it. So, but I apologize. I didn't know anything about Clint until, until she dated, started dating him. 
Had she broached the subject of getting married to your parents? I don't know. I don't think she did, but, you know, she did definitely brought it up to me. As a matter of fact, after she mentioned that, she said, hey, why don't you go back to the beach with us this, you know, now I was all excited. I'm like, okay. And then, she, then immediately she's like, ah, no, tomorrow's the first day of school. Mom and dad ain't gonna let you go. I was like, you know, we don't do nothing on the first day of school anyway. I beat myself up over that because I wanted to go with her. And I feel like if I could have went, I could have maybe changed the way things went. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But then again, it could be on the other hand, my parents could have buried two kids, you know? That's a terrible thought. Yeah. And did you know Daniel at all? Danny was older, so I definitely didn't know Danny at all. Um, I saw him that night. Well, I think him and his brother got into a spat one day in the yard, but I did not not know him. No, I I didn't know him at all. Had all of you gone to the same schools? Yes. In Amelia County, there's only... You got the Amelia County Public Schools, which consists of the elementary, the middle, and the high school, Amelia Elementary, middle, Amelia Middle, and Amelia High. And then we have Amelia Academy. But all of us did go to the, um, the public schools. And so even though you might have been in different grades, you had some sense of it's a relatively small town. Right. It's, yeah. But, you know, obviously, um, I know most big cities like here in Chesterfield, like Jennifer tells me all the elementary school kids ride a different bus than the middle school kids. They ride a different bus than the high school kids. It wasn't like that when we grew up. We all wrote, you know, when the bus came by, we were all two years apart. I was in elementary. Anna and I might have been elementary. Rosanna might have been in middle. Cynthia might have been in high, high school. But we all rode the exact same bus at the exact same time. And the bus would just stop at the elementary, then go to the high school, then 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 the middle school and drop drop us off. And then later on, at the end of the day, it would come back and, and pick us all up and then take us to one stop. You know, of course, Danny and, and they lived on a separate part of town, so they they rode a separate bus. And they would have been a couple years older than me, so I wouldn't have known them at all. At what point did you learn that Anna and Daniel had never made it to the beach? When did you learn that they were missing? I would say, I don't know the time, but it was the same day because Anna and mom were tight. I mean, they were incredibly tight. So Anna, mom knew every move she made because Anna would call her and tell her step by step. So when she was supposed to be at the beach and she didn't call mom, I mean, it was immediate. Mom's calling Clint looking for her. Clint answers the phone. Well, she's not here. Mom said she should have been there by now. And that's what rose suspicion. I mean, it was almost immediately. Reminder. Yeah, within like two hours. She should have been there in two hours. Mom's looking for her because she never called her. And this is before cell phones, though. So in other words, this is only landlines are are the only option. 89. This is 1989. So, yeah, nobody had cell phones. Mom would have had to wait for her to get home to call her. Anna would have definitely called Right. It would have been about a three hour trip because from where we live in Chesterfield, it's about two hours. So I would say two hour, 45 minutes, three hour trip. If she hadn't heard from her about three hours, maybe three and a half at the most, she probably would have been calling Clint. Now, as we understand it, they left when the news was on. Is that correct? The evening news? Uh, I, honestly, I can't remember. I mean, if that's what you've heard, that's probably, it could be right. But I know it was dark and I know it was late. I'm thinking maybe the 11 o'clock news, mm-hmm. but we could always. So know, does that mean that Anna would have called her mom, Jewel, your mom, 
even though it was extremely know. late that night? Anna would have called. Oh, yeah, because mom would have told her, "You call. I don't care. My dad worked graveyard. So right. he'd go in, he'd he leave at work at 11 o'clock at night, and he had to be at work at 12. So mom, I, I don't know if it's because she was nervous or scared at home. You know, she didn't get a whole lot of sleep at night. So, yeah, it would have been no problem, Anna calling. And mom would have been more upset if she, for her not calling than she would have been her calling and waking her up. Okay, yeah. So even if it was 2 o'clock in the morning... She better call. Mom would have been okay with Anna calling and saying, we got to the beach and, and we're fine and we're going to bed or yeah. whatever. Mom, if Anna did not call at any, when she got there, mom, obviously she got, she got really upset, especially when she didn't hear from her after the, a lot of times she should have been there. Mom knew immediately something was going on because Anna was, Anna would have called. So she called the police right away. I don't know when she called. Uh, she might have. I do know that when she did call the police, they immediately arose suspicion and start, and they, I guess, because of the previous instances on, on the parkway, mm-hmm. right. um, they, they immediately started investigating. You're listening to Mind Over Murder. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Many of you know that Authram is leading the way in DNA testing, helping law enforcement solve missing persons, homicides, and sexual assault cases across the United States and Canada using forensic-grade DNA tests. You can help this important cause by contributing funds and your DNA profile to Authram's free site, dnasolves.com. The process is easy and confidential. Just choose simple steps. Now DNA Solves has added another new feature, DNA Solves Connect, which will allow you to upload your DNA profile to help law enforcement, even if you've never used one of the commercial genealogy sites. If you're looking for a missing family member or have lost touch with someone, DNA Solves Connect is an incredible option at only $14.95. Upload your DNA profile to dnasolves.com. Join Mind Over Murder as we help families find answers with Authram and dnasolves.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're back here at Mind Over Murder. And what was your response when you heard that the Virginia State Police were going to be investigating the case as opposed to New Kent County, for example? I was 15 years. I, I don't think I knew anything back then. Right. Um, I, I didn't think nothing of it at the time. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I, I would have. I was probably thinking she must have got home. She's exhausted. She fell asleep. She'll wake up later and call. Honestly, I did, I, I don't know how long it had been because a lot of that time I blacked out. It, it's like it it never happened. I remember going through school and I was spaced out and the teachers would have to call mom to come get me because I hadn't, I, I was there physically, but mentally I was not, I was not, I couldn't focus. I couldn't, I couldn't do, you know, function. Very, very understandable. And yeah. Will, you yeah. mentioned something to us off air about the fact that for your own heart and mind, you've kept your distance from some of the details of the case. Would you mind talking about how you feel and about then, that? Initially, it started mom and dad pretty much wanted to protect the kids, didn't want us to know anything about the case. So I wasn't aware of really any of the details. And then I heard through uh, Patricia Cornwell had written a book and some of the details had come out, leaked out. Mom told us a little bit. And of course, Rosanna had to she she wanted to know everything. So she read the book and hearing some of the details they were talking about. I chose I don't want to know because it was horrific. And I don't want to know. I don't want to think of my sister going like that or think those things happening to her. We've talked about this a little bit. I actually think in almost all of the families, there are people who have chosen to kind of immerse themselves in the details, which are not pretty. And then there are other family members in the Thomas family and the Phelps family and others that for their own kind of peace of mind, I think, Sometimes we keep our distance from those things. I know certainly for me, with my older and younger brother, they don't want to know that level of detail. They prefer not to talk about it all that much and to think about our sister as, a, as the person that she was and not you know the terrible circumstances of their last day on earth. I get it. And then Jen... You come along, and yet in the last decade or so, you've, as a wife and a sister-in-law, have immersed yourself in much of the detail of the case and advocacy and moving the case forward. Well, I think I care about my family, number one, like everybody else does. I care about what, you know, what they want. I care. I don't want him to hurt. You know, he doesn't think about it all the time, like you said. I'm sure certain things bring it up. But if I could help a little bit out, help out a little bit and try to move things forward, trying to make things a little bit better so he feels like he has justice so they feel like they have justice and they all feel different about how they want their justice or if they can get it it will make things easier for him maybe maybe not I don't I mean I can't bring her back no matter what we do we can't bring them back but I think the way we would talk about it Will and I would talk about it is that he would feel better if he had you know someone would have to answer for what they did 
is how he would feel better about me. So that's how I kind of jumped in and try to learn all the details and read all the, all the articles I could and try to see where we could go. Where What could we do? Who could we reach out to? Is there anybody that's willing to look at the case again or pick it back up? Just kind of dove in that way. And here we are. So what are your thoughts about the way VSP has handled this case so far? I'm sure you have a bunch of them. Um, did you have, did oh. you want to say anything first? Only thing I would have to say is I'm just disgusted that the Virginia State Police and the FBI do not collaborate and try to solve the case. I appreciate Jennifer and everything and what she's doing because she is obviously a lot more knowledgeable in this area than I am. I wouldn't know where to start, who to talk to. So I want this case solved. I could care less who does it, how they do it. I don't care if the Virginia State Police solves it. I don't care if the FBI solves it. I don't care if New Kent County Police Department solves it. I just want it solved. Part of my frustration, too, is when the case changes agents, especially we got, you know, when you had Doc Lyons when I first started, he was great. And we gave him tips and he would follow up. I'm not as close to the new agent as I was to Doc, but I feel like in between agents, and this can go way back to when the case first started, information is getting dropped in between or sat on for too long or something's not being looked at, or you don't know if after you talk to an agent a few weeks after you talk to the agent, if they've dropped the ball again, you know, thinking, oh, this really isn't going to go anywhere. I'm just going to, you know, make the family happy and tell them what they want to hear. And then we don't hear anything for two or three years um, until we follow up with them. I'd like for someone to actively keep in touch with us and say, Hey, we really are working this. This is what we're doing. We're trying to move forward with this something, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of contacting them before we have answers. So there's a lot of radio silence with the Virginia state police in terms of you hearing from them. Right. We have to re we have to reach out the majority of the time to get any answers or any updates or anything at all. What's your sense of how often Will's parents, Bill and Jewel, or older sister, Rosanna, hear from Agent Witt, the Virginia State Police investigator? To my knowledge, his parents do not hear from her. Bill, I think it's Rosanna. She might talk to her here and there, but I feel like Rosanna has to initiate it as well every so often to call and say what's going on. And as as far as I know, we probably haven't talked to her since before the pandemic started, like maybe even a year or so before that. We haven't. I haven't heard anything. I talked to Rosanna a couple days ago. And at that time, she did tell me she hasn't heard anything from her recently. And she was going to call her and contact her and just see if she has any info. That's good. And I'm glad that Rosanna is staying in touch. As you're saying, though, it sounds like family members have to initiate the contact. It's not happening the other way around. Right. Right. We've had some of the same problems with the FBI. All I was going to say is mom and dad, I don't think are interested anymore because being a Christian, mom doesn't want the case solved because that will give her somebody to hate. So she just wants to leave it in God's hands and just let it be. I want it solved. Even though I'm a Christian, I believe you have to pay for your consequences. You you know, somebody out there murdered my sister, murdered, you know, other and they, they all need to pay. They don't need to be out here walk, walking around scot-free. There's a chance they could they did it. They they could do it again. Take somebody else's family out. It sounds like your mom kind of is taking more of a spiritual viewpoint, which is that this will be resolved in the next life, not necessarily here. Right, right. And then Rosanna and I have the you know Rosanna and I both want it solved, but again, she is more vocal obviously than I am. So I just let her deal with that aspect of it. 
I was doing some of my refreshing from my casebook before uh, we went on the air. And I remembered that there was reporting in 2010 about a note that was found in Anna Maria's things. I think you found that note, Jennifer. And it, it mentioned a meeting she was supposed to have with someone in a blue van on the night she and Daniel went missing. Can you talk a little bit more about the contents? Because the reporting was frustratingly vague on that. Right. Well, the note is pretty vague. I was actually looking through the box of stuff. Will's mom said in the closet, there was a box of stuff that the police had saved what they and given back to her. Some of it. I don't know. Some of it, I think, came from their apartment in Virginia Beach. It was just a bunch of her stuff. And I said, hey, can I just look through this? Because she never looked through it. And I took it home. Another friend of ours, John Morris, a private investigator, came over and him and I kind of looked through it together. And I'm digging through the box and I'm looking through stuff. And he's just across the table. I look and I find this note and it's really scribbled. Like there's something else on the paper, like somebody scribbled on the paper at the bottom. And literally that's pretty much all that it says and has a little, a last name written at the top. Like we don't have anybody's first name. We just have somebody's last name and not the time they're supposed to meet, but just that they're supposed to meet a blue van and this person's last name. Later on, we find out that uh, his older sister, Cynthia might've scribbled that down from somebody she talked to. And that was her handwriting. Like, but, a, like a phone message kind of thing? Right. Kind of like she was on the phone. She grabbed a piece of paper to try to scribble it down. Because once we showed the the note to, um, I believe, Rosanna saw it. And she said that looks like, you know, Cynthia's handwriting. And they did check it out. But I don't think it went anywhere after that. But literally, it was just a few words. And Cynthia has since passed on. So we cannot ask her. Right. What's your interpretation? I know there's only a certain number of words on the piece of paper, but you and John Morris, who's been super helpful to the families, a wonderful private detective. What was your interpretation of what was there? They're supposed to meet someone? That's what the note uh, That's what the note said. So I was like, okay. At first I got excited. I was like, okay, do we find something? Because you always see it on TV. You know, somebody finds mm-hmm. something, oh, this might be the clue. And we just got kind of got excited. We scanned the note. We're like, here, let's keep the, we have a scan copy. Let's keep the original. And we'll see, you know, if it goes, if it goes anywhere. I don't know. I thought, okay, well, this could be the piece, the band, the blue band. This could be the piece that we're missing. Because everyone always lumps us together you know, all the murders together. And they're always like, oh, it's a police officer that pulled them over and they rolled the window down and all that stuff. And I'm like, come on, it can't be, (laughs) it's gotta be something else. So I'm thinking, okay, this is the piece we're missing. It's not a police officer. They're meeting this guy in the blue van. They're going to meet him at the rest stop. And that's what, that's what happens. They meet this guy and something happens. That's what I was, you know, hoping that we were going to fill in the gap between what happened when they left Amelia mate to the rest stop and, you know, then what happened. But it didn't seem to pan out that way. But we were super hopeful. Well, it's probably worth saying at this point that, at least from my point of view, of the four double homicides in the Colonial Parkway murders, I believe that Anna and Daniels is the most likely to be unrelated to the other Colonial Parkway murders. It feels different. The circumstances feel different. Even something, and we don't want to get too graphic here, but even how the bodies were left. It all feels very different from all of the other Colonial Parkway murders. And I have my doubts about whether the rest of the Colonial Parkway murders are related. But certainly, I think if one of the double homicides was going to fall off the table, and I mean that with no disrespect, I think Anna and Daniel's murder is an independent event. I agree. I agree. I didn't know, you know, when I first started looking into things, I, like you said, I thought they were all together. And the longer I've been looking into things and the more we found out along the way 
I took, I totally think it's separate too, but right now we all have power in numbers. So I appreciate the fact that we can all, even though we all now think that it's all different, that we can still kind of group together and go after the same cause. Oh, absolutely. This idea of Daniel collecting figures vary, but I think six to $800 seem to be the figures that come up the most often. Daniel had collected for money that I believe he'd made money painting houses that summer, I think with his father, who's since passed on. So he would have been carrying a fairly large amount of cash with him, which was never found. That's correct. Do you feel there's a possible robbery motive mixed in here? I totally do. I had a conversation several years ago with Clint and Daniel's parents, Margie and um, Henry Lauer. And they told me that they had, you know, they had paid him that money. He came back and realized they weren't doing good at the beach at the time and they needed help. Clint and Anna did. So he was coming home to get his things, getting his last paycheck from his dad. And he was going to move down there with them and help them out. They said that he had brand new work boots with him and they were not found either. And a couple other little things in the car. There might've been other stuff missing, but those are the two noticeably things, noticeable things missing was the money and then some brand new work boots that he had that they couldn't find. And we're planning on perhaps doing another episode with you and an unnamed friend who met with the Lowers. And Mr. and Mrs. Lauer, Henry and Margie, are both gone now. Sadly, the siblings in the Lauer family have elected not to participate in any public discussion of the case. We understand it much in the same way we were talking with Will about how close do you want to get to a case like this. We look forward to an opportunity to talk with you and another friend who met with the Lowers about some of the things that you discovered in that conversation. And that'll be in an upcoming episode of Mind Over Murder. So you had brought up earlier the Patricia Cornwell book, All That Remains, and we had just covered it over three episodes, kind of unpacking, is this based on the Colonial Parkway murders? Is it not? She's never come out and said that it has, but she's also never denied that it isn't. Can you tell us a little bit about the lawsuit and everything that that went along with the publication of All That Remains? From what I've heard, mom read the book. I did not read the book. I don't know any details. Mom and Rosanna both said that it was to the T. The only thing she changed was the name. The incident, everything in it was identical. It is very close, yes. And the lawsuit, it was, it, it, too much time had passed. What is it called when you, um, the legal term? Statute of limitations. Yes, that, that's it. It's statute of limitations. Limitations when the book was uh, written and published to the time that mom found out about it and tried to stop it. There's nothing she could do. I hear young people. (laughs) We've got kiddos in the background. That's that black cat that was in the tree. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer had to let her out. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) We thought that was young people. (laughs) It was. She might as well be. She's another baby. Um, All That Remains, the book that Patricia Cornwell wrote, we're also told that she had a friend that worked in the medical examiner's office in Richmond and that friend would let her have access to files and that she would use those files to to write her books. She would read Mm -hmm. through the files and then get the cases and write her books after looking at the medical examiner's files. I don't know how true that is, but that's what I was told. Cornwell herself had worked in the medical examiner's office and still had friends there. One of the things we discussed over the podcast episodes a few weeks ago, Kristen and I did explore the possibility that there may have been inappropriate access to the files. 
I'll say this. I'm not an expert on Anna and Daniel's murder, but I know a fair amount. You know, I've learned from all of you and everything I've read. When I first read the book, I was shocked at how similar it was, particularly to the Phelps Lauer incident, which is very central to the book. The other murders are all referenced and they have a lesbian couple. And Kristen, am I right? There's actually five murders in the series, in the the fictional version. In the fictional version, there's uh, 10 total, uh, 10 total victims instead of eight. Yes. The Phelps Lauer murder in the fictional version feels remarkably similar to the true life version. Yeah. Uncomfortably so. Uncomfortably Mm -hmm. so very much. What are some of those theories that you hold about who committed this awful act against Anna Maria and Daniel? I'll let you handle that. We definitely feel it's people that they know and maybe they felt comfortable with. It was people that they already had dealt with prior and they're on, they're our number one suspects. They're still actually live in the County. Mm -hmm. And we have one that is a possible suspect that lives out of state. People just won't come forward and say anything. We, we did get a really good tip when we did a car show several years ago, and that's how their names were put in front of me. Someone else that worked in the county, we actually met them when we were out at dinner and they saw us passing out these flyers. They're like, oh, I know about this. And so-and-so told me, you know, about these people and what happened and how weird they acted that night after everything happened to Anna and Danny. And I'm like, great. So I called Doc and it seems like it was going somewhere and we just kind of stalled out. But I feel like we're on the right track. I feel like they're close by and they're a county over. But I feel like people, there's some people that might know what's going on and they're too scared to come forward because they still live with them in the county. I guess they feel if he's done it once and gotten away with it, even if they're just rumors, they're afraid that he might try to do something again. And does VSP believe that your theory is accurate? Like, are, are you guys on the same page or... We are on the same page. Okay. And I just think they have to connect all their dots. And that's kind of what we're, we're waiting for. Like, what, well, what else do we need to help connect the dots? Pretty much. Um, we've got some connections, some ties to the land where they were found, different things like that. So we're just waiting on them to connect the rest of the dots so we can do something. We're hoping. One of them, he was incarcerated for a DUI, I believe it was. And because of that, the officer in charge was able to talk with him, ask him questions, and he agreed to a lie detector test, which he passed. So that's the last thing I heard. And then how far back would that have been, Will? Is this in the last couple of years? Before, probably last three, yeah. probably about three or four years. It's worth noting, by the way, both of you mentioned these activities that we've all been involved in over the years, the events, the car show, fundraising activities, passing out flyers, this podcast, all of these things are designed to provoke conversation and get people talking and to keep them talking about these unsolved cases. The story you told, Jennifer, is a really good example of you passing out flyers for a car show a couple of years ago resulted in people coming forward with additional information, which the investigator at that time, Doc Lyons, was able to follow up on. We're hoping that something like this podcast and the conversations we're having today and we'll have in the next few weeks can also help keep that spotlight shining on the case. Right. I've had several people say when we were doing fundraising events and different things that, oh, we didn't know it wasn't solved yet. We didn't know that was mm-hmm. so, what? what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like 
doesn't matter how long ago I had this information. If I felt like it would help, I would say something. And if it didn't work out, at least I said what I thought I needed to. So somebody could investigate it. Now we've said, and everybody's heard a million times, no tip is too small. Um, even sometimes the little things make a big difference. So please with our case or anybody else's, if you know anything at all, or think you might know anything, you know, let somebody know, reach out. So at this point, of course, on Labor Day weekend, we had passed the 33-year mark on on Anna and and Daniel's murders. What are your thoughts and feelings today about the possibility of this case being solved? Is it still possible? I believe it is possible, but uh, I don't think it will be. I don't know if we'll ever get Oliver, like we said, cross Oliver T's, all of our eyes, connect the dots. I don't know if we'll ever get there. If we're not there yet, and I feel like the last few years, maybe we've been closer than we ever have. Mm-hmm. With um, okay, we've got possibly people now that we didn't have six or seven years ago, and we've got extra things that have popped up. And if we can't figure out what we need, and we can't, we'll never get there. And I, I hate, I hate hearing that. We all want these cases solved, and I just, my heart goes out to you guys who are living with this every single day and just having to continue to process it year after year and decade after decade. And we appreciate so much that you're willing to come on and talk about this. I know it can't be easy. It's not. I appreciate y'all doing this. And it's the only way to really, I told, we were talking the other day. I feel like it's the only way to really keep her memory alive is to, I think she would do the same for us. Definitely. And just try to keep her memory alive. Keep talking about her. She'd want us to do the same thing. So let's keep on pushing. We will certainly do that. Y'all last thoughts. It's wonderful to talk with both of you. I'm very proud of the work that you're doing. And we really appreciate your taking the time to talk to us on Mind Over Murder. Thanks so much. We look forward to doing it again. Bill, I do have one more thing I'd like to inject about the Lowers. Sure. Um, for years, for years, I never really thought about it because I lost my sister and he lost his brother. And I never thought until years later, it dawned on me. I don't know how, but it dawned on me. I lost my sister. He lost his brother. And after talking to, I don't know if anybody else knew, I don't know who she talked to. She asked me what I thought about Clint and them possibly getting married, but he lost possibly his fiance, his girlfriend and his brother in one night. So that has to take a toll on him more so than just losing one, you know, your brother. Sure. That's a very good point. My understanding is that Clint has struggled. It's been difficult. And you're right. In that one night, he lost two incredibly important people, his brother and his fiance. That's going to do it for this episode of Mind Over Murder. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time. Mind Over Murder is a production of Absolute Zero and Another Dog Productions. Our executive producers are Bill Thomas and Kristen Dilley. Our logo art is by Pamela Arnois. Our theme music is by Kevin McLeod. Mind Over Murder is distributed in partnership with Crawl Space Media. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also follow our page on the Colonial Parkway Murders on Facebook. And finally, you can follow Bill Thomas on Twitter at BillThomas56. Thank you for listening to Mind Over Murder.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.